Bitcoin accumulation country. My name is Phil. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. We are in season three and this is episode five. Hope everybody's having a great week. Get ready for a really fun episode because I got to sit down and talk with Giacomo Zucco. It was a really good time. He is by far one of my favorite toxic Bitcoin maximalists that there is out there. And um, anyways, I, I just I had such a great time with him. There really is nothing else to say. So here we go, guys. My talk with Giacomo Zucco. All right. I've got a very special guest with me today on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. Um, I find his brand of um, maximalism very humorous and witty. And it always uh, you know, gets me to think. And if nothing else, I'm always laughing. Um, I've got with me. Mr. Giacomo Zucco. Giacomo, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for all these uh, nice words. I will send you the, the Bitcoin payment uh, right along for this uh, <laughs> nice introduction. <laughs> oh, but I, I don't know if I really I, I don't know if I really want Bitcoin right now, you know, from you. You may have something. You may have something way better. <laughs> uh, you know, but you know, Grisham Law and Tears Law uh, say that you should spend the, the 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 bad money money first and keep hoarding the good money as a as a thesaurization. So the real good money, which is uh, Zach's box, of course, I will not send it to you. I will just send a shitty money like Bitcoin, <laughs> which we all know it's. Uh, I mean, it's old, uh, high fees. Uh, uh, stagnant development, and I will keep Zach's for myself. So, so <laughs> sorry, forget it. Okay, you know what? I, I have to work my way up, you know, to get those to get those more pumpamental type of coins, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to deserve it. <laughs> I have to deserve it. I, I get it. I get that. I appreciate that. So, so look, I, I mean, I've um, like I was telling you before we started recording, I, I've been following you on Twitter, um, you know, since yeah, definitely uh, since I first got into Bitcoin. And I, I just find you absolutely hilarious, uh, you know, which is which is awesome. You know, it's definitely good to have a great sense of humor. But at the same time, like, you know, you also bring up very valid points. It, it's kind of interesting, you know, it, it, it um, you know, it's like we're making fun of ourselves. And I think that you kind of bring that out, you know, you, you kind of help show us that, you know, like how stupid we kind of sound when we're making no sense. So yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, some sometimes it can become a little bit tricky. Like uh, when I when I do some, for example, my famous uh, maximalist presentation in Riga uh, two years ago. It was uh, it was meant to be kind of ironic. I mean, not not literally ironic because uh, uh, it was uh, what I said was basically paradoxically true as an heuristic, but it was not literal. And people on Twitter had some problem to distinguish when I'm serious and when I'm not. So I will uh, also it's a lot of pressure right now because I, when I started, I tried to be uh, to be serious and then I just throw in some jokes here and then. And now people invite me to conference in order to do like some uh, some like uh, Bitcoin stand up, which is becoming a lot of pressure. So <laughs> harder and harder. I, I can understand that, you know, like now that's it. You know, it's like all your work has preceded you. So yeah, it's a it's a niche. Uh, yeah, I, I created my niche. <laughs> no pre no pressure, you know, but pressure. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so before before we get into you know before we get into you know the uh, the next better Bitcoin, which is Zux. Yeah. Um, I I, um, I I personally don't know your your rabbit hole story. I, I don't really know how you got into Bitcoin. I've I've looked at your profile. Like I can't um, I can't figure out like what you do. 
you know? So, man, like, <laughs> t- like, what? tell me the, uh, the Giacomo story. So the Giacomo story starts uh, from at least uh, three different perspectives. Uh, back, I, 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 as a, uh, I am a phys- physicist, basically, I have an education in, uh, in physics. And uh, after my degree, I started to work uh, uh, as a technology consultant in Accenture, the uh, multinational corporation. And I was working there, I got married, and, uh, and then it was, I think, 2013, uh, that I started to hear about Bitcoin from three completely different perspectives. So the first time I, I, I heard about Bitcoin, I think it was actually late 2012. It was, um, it was in a group of people that were organizing a pro-Julian Assange-like uh, uh, manifestation. So it was uh, already back then, there was the Assange problem, of course. It was uh, the WikiLeaks problem was not coming up just now with the incredible uh, situation with the kidnapping and uh, the, the, the denial of a fair trial for, for no accusation at all to a journalist. It was a problem back then already. And uh, in these groups uh, that were like following a little bit, you know, the uh, WikiLeaks slash uh, online privacy, it was, uh, it was pre-Snowden, I think. But it was basically the, the kind of Snowden talk. So this group of people was like uh, pr- privacy-oriented advocates um, uh, for a little bit contiguous to some hacker ideology, hack- hacktivist ideology. Uh, they, these were basically um, mostly focused on this kind of stuff. So Bitcoin was mentioned as the possible uh, privacy money uh, uh, the, the, the money for the dark market online, the first mentions of the, the Silk Road and this kind of stuff. Then basically at the same time, I, I think it was just two months later or something like that, I started to hear about Bitcoin in a completely different political group that I was, uh, that was, uh, uh, I, was uh, I was part of as well, which was like the Austrian economics, gold bags uh, and the Fed kind of group. And the nice thing was that these, these people were talking about Bitcoin from a purely um, a, a micro and, and, and macroeconomic perspective uh, as a monetary thing. Actually, nothing to do with privacy and online hacking, uh, uh, dark market, uh, dark web, nothing at all like that. They were mostly oh. academic, uh, uh, still a bit anti-system. But uh, what impressed me is that... Um, so. I was part of both groups, but I was basically the only intersection, the only overlap, because these two groups were uh, both a little bit anti-system, well, very much anti-system, but very different. Like the first group were like a very liberal, uh, you know, model libertarian, free drugs, uh, free love, kind of socialist leaning people, very left wing in order to simplify a little bit. And, uh, and the second group was very like uh, conservative, intellectual, uh, not really activists, more, uh, more, more intellectual, and very, uh, you could call it probably a right-wing uh, leaning. And so I was uh, always considering these groups completely unrelated, except for me, as they only overlap. And then I found that in two- late 2012, Bitcoin started to pop up in both groups, and I was like discussing with the, with the ones and, and with, the, with the former and, and with the later, uh, latter uh, about the same thing. And then like at the, at the, I would say probably it was March or April 2013, uh, actually, uh, this, this kind of stuff started to, uh, to pop up at my job as well, 
because people inside payment industry started to discuss Bitcoin as a possibility for uh, uh, a revolution in permissionless innovation in payments like the Internet of Money, the Internet of Payments. So more like a business kind of approach. And so finally, I realized that uh, all the things that I was doing, basically my my two uh, spare time uh, activist uh, activism uh, hobbies, political hobbies, and my profession in a way, were all contaminated by this stuff. And so it was like... Uh, uh, completely, uh, that, that was a very, very steep and, and fast rabbit hole. I mean, I didn't enter gradually. I fell down so fast that after three or five months of uh, obsession, I would call it, because I was basically not sleeping, uh, I was uh, talking about Bitcoin all the time, I was uh, thinking <laughs> about Bitcoin all the time. And then my wife, uh, I remember it was May of 2013, and my wife said basically, uh, you know, uh, you are basically you should just uh, quit and do Bitcoin stuff. Uh, we, we can allow it, uh, it's doable. And so I did it. I quit my job in 2013. And then my idea was to become a Bitcoin entrepreneur. And, and that was a very bad idea from a financial point of view. <laughs> I, I started, so I joined probably uh, five or uh, five, probably seven different startups. Some of them were uh, n- never as, as the only founder. I was always like a co-founder slash consultant slash uh, something like that. Uh, and, uh, and basically, the, all the financial advantage that I got with some Bitcoin both in 2012 completely disappeared along 2013 and 2014 because I, before I've lost, of course, my private key in a tragic boat in an accident as everybody else. <laughs> but even before that, I actually lost most of my Bitcoin, early adoption Bitcoin, trying to fund Bitcoin startups. One was a mining firm in Switzerland and was like a super, uh, I closed it down with a huge loss. And one was like a blockchain for tracking uh, and the supply chain, supply chain management, very bad idea, as I, as I discovered very soon. And w- well, one was actually green address Bitcoin wallet, and now is a Blockstream green uh, with uh, Lawrence Naum. So that, that one survived after I, I, I left it and, and is doing very, very good. So I'm happy for that. And then in 2015, I started, uh, in May 2015, I started my own company. And the idea was basically this. Since uh, all my Bitcoin startup idea were just bleeding money, even even the successful one, like Green Address was great, it's still, it's still a great wallet, but there was never a, a revenue model, never. And there still isn't a very clear revenue model. Uh, like you have a problem because if it's a good Bitcoin business, you don't have a, a revenue model. Like uh, it's an open source software, so you don't have intellectual property. Uh, it's uh, it's an open standard, so you don't have a lock-in of your users. It's a private thing, so you don't uh, you don't uh, you don't try to capture the the private information of your users, sensitive data. So you have basically nothing from the monetary perspective, from the monetization perspective. So I was my businesses were just burning my money, and I was surviving and and providing for my family with just. Uh, uh, cons- consultants, uh, consultancy jobs at uh, at banks, mostly at, at that time Italian banks. Like you, you know the the business, uh, you know the innovation manager of the bank. He wants to know about cryptocurrencies and blockchain. So I'll, uh, at the end, he will ask me, and he will give me some money to explain them, then to uh, to review a project, to uh, to put them in contact with the developer, to organize a, pr- a proof of concept. So uh, I decided that uh, that was the only <laughs> business model that I had found uh, uh, up to the, up to date. And so basically, what I did was uh, 
getting out of a Bitcoin startup and I, I created this kind of Bitcoin research center. It was called Blockchain Lab with a very scammy name. I mean, nowadays I would uh, stay away from any, anything with blockchain name in it. But back then I, I decided to compromise with this, this very scammy name in order to, to lure clients in. And, uh, and so uh, the, the idea was um, you hire my company for a consultancy. I use uh, part, of, part of my budget, I would say 90% of my budget in order to uh, fund uh, Bitcoin development. So I, I, I rented a space in Milan where I hosted for three years with my wife, uh, all the best Bitcoin developers in the world. So the, I was paying for them like a travel, accommodation, food, uh, office space. And I, will try to, I was trying to invite them at the same level. Uh, for example, we have to work on notarization. So I will invite Peter Todd with uh, Ricardo Casatta. If we have to work uh, with uh, Lightning, I will invite uh, Lightning Labs with uh, Blockstream, with uh, Amico Pay. So I was trying to match together all the different uh, uh, styles and sensitivities and priorities and ideas in order to boost the stuff. Sometimes I gave them some projects to do some money and uh, I had a small team of people uh, which, uh, which job was to uh, assist these developers, listen to them, grab information, of course with their consent, structure the information and sell the information as uh, reports, uh, uh, workshop, consultancy and stuff like that. So that was the, the job. In 2000, in late 2018, I had uh, we, we had a daughter, and so I decided to sell my company, uh, and I quit. I uh, I mean I still do some consultant job, especially in Switzerland, because uh, uh, Italian banks uh, they basically were stuck at the uh, let's say proof of concept stage because they couldn't do anything because of regulation. While Swiss banks they actually could do production stuff. Uh, some of my clients, Swiss banks clients, they are offering. Uh, Bitcoin custodianship for their for the institutional clients, so it, it, it became more uh, mature and more serious as a business. So I moved to Switzerland, and and basically that's the end of the of the long rabbit hole story. What I'm doing now is mostly two things. One thing is teaching, so I'm doing workshop uh, around mostly B2B for banks, but partially also B2C, like the one I will do in uh, in Las Vegas in February and so on. And uh, I'm also doing like uh, I'm gathering donation, for example, from Bitfinex, uh, uh, Poseidon, uh, Fulgur Venture. I gather this donation with my nonprofit, and I and I uh, pour this donation into some open source uh, efforts. Man, that is serious. I I really had no idea that you did that. That's really cool, by the way. Hosting the devs and getting them to work on stuff like that's that that's like that's pretty uh, intense. It, it was great. It was great. It was. Uh, it was also sustainable. I have to say, unlike my first businesses, that was sustainable, not scalable, uh, because like uh, you yeah. cannot make money with that model. It's just uh, and no. also not sustainable from a family point of view because me and my wife basically spent uh, all days, all night, uh, and all the weekends there in order to keep it alive. So when when we had to uh, retire from that, uh, it was basically impossible to to continue. But it was very very cool. We had some great moments there. That's very cool. Um, I, I just want to go back to something that you said about that, that you got, you approached, you know, Bitcoin hit you from three different perspectives, right? It was the, like, kind of the anarchist perspective, the Austrian economics perspective, right? And you, you had mentioned, you're like, well, they're both, you know, they're, they're both kind of similar. And I, I, like, I wanted to explain that, you know, like the, the gold bugs have a distrust in the government issued money. 
Whereas, you know, the, the anarchists have a distrust just in the system as a whole. So they, they are absolutely related. And, and it's interesting that it hit you. I, I'm so surprised because I actually, um, I, I know Accenture pretty well. Um, and that that's a serious kind of company that it's interesting, right? Like, it doesn't really get talked about in the news, but Accenture is incredibly powerful. So yeah, that, and and the fact that they were so they were asking you about BTC. Well, it was inside um, the job environment, but it was not really. I mean, some presentation, some internal, you know, uh, some internal um, skill uh, skill show. Uh, it was not really any assignment or anything like that. But it oh, okay. to pop up among colleagues. Okay. So in the Accenture, uh, in Accenture uh, environment, especially in the payment, uh, in the payment business, I was a I was a system designer, so I was working with payment guys, and there was some discussion about that. Very cool. Um, I want to go back also and just uh, to ask you about the the Bitcoin businesses. So. Um, you said that that you had a you know that that none of them were were really profitable, um, but I've noticed something that when it comes to Bitcoin is is that everybody just seems to build without the idea of profitability in mind. <laughs> you know, it's like it yeah. it, it seems yeah, that that's true. you know like people just decide all right you know what I want to make this I don't really care and you know it, it's that concept of you know build it and the people will come. Um, it's true. It's true. I, I mean, it works uh, from a, uh, from an aggregate level uh, as a system, as an organism, uh, as a social organism. It works. Uh, the, the fact that Bitcoin is cool, that you want to see Bitcoin succeeding, maybe the fact the only real monetization uh, mode, which is I own Bitcoin, maybe uh, except for the botting accident, and so I want Bitcoin to be successful, and so I will work on Bitcoin. So this model works. Uh, from a, a, a in aggregate, individually, uh, it is uh, basically never scalable, and it's uh, not always sustainable in the long run. So the the problem is not really. I don't see a problem for Bitcoin. I just see some problem for people that wants to. Uh, they want to basically uh, live uh, and work and and, and spend their uh, their profession inside Bitcoin. That's very tricky. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely. Uh... I definitely agree. It's. Uh, I, I think right now maybe the the ecosystem is still, even though it's it, you know it, it's big, it's just maybe not big enough, you know. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you if you basically restrict it to the non scammy part of the ecosystem, yes. it's very very small. <laughs> <laughs> the non scammy part is very small and very difficult. Like I could tell you, you know, like I'm I'm um, I'm starting to build these, uh, you know, these. Uh, 3d light you know these cases for lightning nodes and Hmm. it's i mean they're they're already a bunch that exist and i've already bought some and they're very cool and everything but to be honest it's i'd say the market for that stuff is very small and it is it is very difficult you know with the exception of like stickers and clothing um in terms of uh like uh you know stickers clothing hardware wallets (laughs) um yeah, it's, yeah it's, that's it's, basically all. I think I, I, I'm I trying gave to a think talk. of other stuff. <laughs> so basically, I think your idea is you just sell swags, so uh, yeah. hats or stickers, <laughs> and that's that's the only scalable business model in Bitcoin. Then you have uh, a specialized hardware 
like uh, Noodle or uh, or Asics as well or hardware wallet. So very very high high end hardware, uh, and that's like. It works, but we giant entry barriers. Like you cannot wake up tomorrow and say, "I want to print an ASIC, ASIC chip." You can't. You need like foundries. So yes. Uh, so there are millions of entry barriers. The same goes for uh, for hardware wallets. Actually, you cannot really improvise a serious hardware wallet. Um, or, or or maybe you can still do that, but you will not be able to do that very very soon. And uh, so this is a scalable business, but with huge. Uh, entry barriers. Then there is the exchange business, which is very profitable and scalable. But the problem is not uh, the problem is that it's a, it's a legal. I mean, your your 90% of your costs are legal, uh, and I don't want to spend my life uh, dealing with uh, with lawyers. Frankly, I mean, I'm not in Bitcoin in order to spend all my life uh, looking at regulations, uh, KYC bullshit, and and lawyers and this kind of stuff, uh, regulatory arbitrage. So it's a scalable. I respect people doing exchange. I, I mean, I'm happy that uh, Bitfinex does um, makes money to sponsor some of the projects I do. I'm happy that uh, uh, that Kraken and Hodl Hodl and other great exchanges make some money. But uh, I don't want to do that. So you are left with basically content content uh, content creation, which is a also which is like a, a super small cake for. Uh, for uh, a lot of competition, I mean, either, uh, either you are a serious professional like McCormack, or uh, or you are like uh, I don't know, Saifedian uh, with his books. But content creation is not really uh, something scalable in general. I agree, and you know what? That kind of brings me to the uh, to the next point, right? Is that okay? So I mean, because it's such a because the ecosystem is still building and everything, and right now it's let's be honest, like the majority, I'd say the majority of the innovation is happening. You know, contrary to shitcoiners' belief, it's happening actually on the Bitcoin. You know, actually like. Uh, you know, on the Bitcoin base layer and on the second layer, you know, where we're getting, sure. you know, Schnorr yeah. and Taproot and all that good stuff. So to me, like, I, I don't really care that right now all we have is swag and stuff. But what I do want to mention is, is that what what is the new and emerging thing that we have is the, um, well, I shouldn't say new, but the emerging, the emerging uh, piece that we have is the money back proposition, you know, through platforms like Lolly or through savings platforms like River Financial, where you have the dollar cost averaging, you know, so it's it's taking on that next, you know, that step of much more, you know, the store of value. Yeah, and let's. Uh, so maybe I, I would have to. Exp uh, I say the exchange as the only uh, scalable business model. Maybe we could expand it to uh, financial services on top of Bitcoin. Oh, cool. So Bitcoin has, has some characteristics. So you can probably leverage onboarding. Onboarding will be huge because a lot of money will move from from shitty fiat to to, to digital gold. So if you if you if you if you put you, yourself in between. I guess you can make a lot of money in a sustainable way. The main problem that I see, the, the reason I never really address that is that it's a very, uh, it's, a, it's a kind of a, being a gateway between uh, existing finance and the new finance of, uh, of, uh, of the future. Uh, you have to deal a lot with financial regulation, which is super annoying. Yeah, I can't even, to be perfectly honest, like just as a, an individual um, investor, like Bitcoin aside, right, just dealing with stocks and stuff, just as an individual investor, that's annoying enough and there's not even yeah. that much to it. So I wouldn't even want to imagine the, the legal regulations and hurdles that you have to go through for an exchange. 
Yeah, especially after you 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 have uh, after you have fallen into the uh, fallen in the in the rabbit hole. So now that you try Bitcoin, that you know Bitcoin, now that you are dreaming about a cypherpunk uh, future, now you have to uh, spend your life uh, filling uh, filling uh, forms in order to uh, to get uh, uh, licenses. That's that's. Uh, I mean, I respect people who does that, and I'm happy that there is something doing that because it's needed as a bridge, but it's so boring. <laughs> I absolutely, absolutely. I, I think like it, it takes a it takes a special type of personality to be able to do that all day long. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's needed. I mean, at any kind of gateway, when you have a when you have a uh, when you have a revolution, you need to bridge words. And so people doing bridges, uh, people building bridges, they of course uh, they cannot stay on the new world only. They have to to keep one foot in the new world and one foot in the old one. And uh, so that's needed, and uh, we are lucky that somebody is doing that. Oh, absolutely. So tell me about, um, you know, I, I started to, uh, okay, so I guess we're, we're going to back up, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about about Hex, and um, but more specifically, not, not Hex, specifically your interview, uh, your discussion with, with Richard Hart, because even though I, I can't stand Richard Hart, um, just in terms of the uh, the arrogance and the way that he acts, I, I just think like there, there's different ways of of being, um, you know, of being confident and charismatic, and I, I just think that his angle is cheap. Um, but anyways, uh, so he was on, uh, so he had you on, and um, you guys had a very civilized, I'd say, conversation, which was really interesting. Um, <laughs> and 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 you you started to you started to shill this really interesting project. So if, if, if you could tell us a little bit about, uh, what, what is it, Zuck's coin? Zuck's box. Zuck's yeah, box. Well, it's not a, it is not an interesting project. This is the project. I mean, this is the only real stuff going on. Everything else is basically bankrupt at this point. No, it was, so, uh, it was, a, it was a very funny. So the, the point is that uh, in that moment, that was the, the pump moment in Hex, Richard was uh, trying to get visibility at all costs. He wanted to, his need was to maximize views and uh, discussion and buzz around him and around Hex, regardless of actual content. And he's also, I mean, from a, you're right, he's cheap, he's very dishonest, but he's also very, very skilled. Uh, yes. At, at the, uh, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a very serious con artist. He, he was doing that before. He's, he's not like the Craig Wright kind of con artist. Craig Wright is like uh, the crazy kind of con artist, uh, like a religious, uh, uh, religious devotion by some uh, really deranged individuals. Uh, while uh, Richard is more classical, it's more like uh, typical, I don't know, self-help gurus or or this kind of guys that uh, that are very very good with uh, with the rhetorics and stuff like that. So uh, what he needed was to maximize visibility. And so uh, most of the good people, uh, you have this kind of uh, you have this kind of dilemma. Like, uh, if I go, uh, he's inviting everybody. If I go, I give I give I give him what he wants. I give him visibility. If I don't, I just leave him uh, uh, completely uh, without any kind of contradictory spreading falsities and spreading lies in a very uh, able and skinned way. So uh, the, the the first the, the first weeks. I have seen the, the global reaction and my reaction as well was, ju let's just ignore him. But then I was really not satisfied because ignoring this kind of people in this kind of environment where the, uh, uh, where the symmetric uh, 
where, where the knowledge asymmetry is huge. Uh, ignoring basically creates the, the, the foundations for uh, infinite growing on this, of these kind of scams. Like one of the reasons we have the scam coin crypto environment in, in the shape it is today, and especially in the shape it was in 2017, was that back in 2013 and 2014, the uh, basically the the the, the password the uh, the mantra among uh, honest and competent people that I was starting to uh, to to know and to meet was basically let's ignore uh, don't don't play their game they want to claim that uh, they want to claim sharding uh, DAOs uh, uh, DeFi and uh, whatever uh, work computer proof of stake don't uh, or uh, big blocks don't really engage because uh, they are not honest, so it's not an honest discussion, ignore them. But the effect to that, of that was actually, after two years, uh, a huge visibility for them without any kind of contradictory. So you have to shift, I think you have to shift your, uh, your, your strategy or, or your tactic, at least, from ignoring to engaging when ignoring fails. So I've seen the same with Richard. Uh, ignoring failed, then people started to engage. But uh, engaging with him was very, very hard. Like, uh, Steven Rivera tried to engage in complete good faith, and he was, uh, was butchered by Richard because Richard used any kind of possible bad faith trick in that interview. Oh, so yeah. Steven was very, he was good, he was prepared, he was, he was honest, he was uh, competent, but that was not enough because uh, uh, there was like, uh, I mean, Richard was, uh, uh, was manipulating the audio levels, he was uh, switching continuously between uh, between aggressive, uh, aggressive, uh, uh, you know, uh, aggressive rhetoric and the sea lioning. Like uh, when when Steven was trying to to answer back, he was like, "Oh, why are you so close-minded? Let me let's just have a separated debate." And then as soon as Steven was uh, lowering the guard, he was like uh, super aggressive. Ah, this kind. Of, uh, I mean, you suck. There is a block string conspiracy. So it was. Uh, uh, he had the the skill to move across different kind of rhetorics. You know, Roger yes. Ver. Roger, Roger Ver doesn't have many rhetorics. Just one. I mean, babies are dying and block string conspiracy, and that's very repetitive. It works for some people. But it's very it's very easy to to counteract if you are a little bit. I mean, uh, a lot of people destroyed uh, Roger. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, Tone Vase destroyed him. Uh, John Carvalho destroyed him. M most people with some rhetoric skill can destroy Roger Bear. But with Richard, it was very very difficult. So uh, he was tagging me like uh, Giacomo Zucco. Do you want to debate? Do you want to debate? Do you want to debate? And I was like, ah, I don't know because. So uh, at a certain point, I realized that there was one strategy not yet. Uh, uh, not yet uh, um, tried, n not not uh, not at least not uh, at a good extent. That was basically uh, just trolling him, and uh, and so I decided to to try this performer art, and so I created this uh, this website, uh, which is uh, zaxbucks.win. So guys, if you want to invest and to <laughs> and to throw your or you're saving here, the website is uh, zuxbux.win. Uh, please, uh, I need your money. So what I did was basically creating uh, uh, a simple page, and you can see it. And uh, and this and the page says basically the first section is Bitcoin is okay. Bitcoin is an old, almost 11 years, boring, non-profit, aka made by poor people who don't even drive Lambos, possibly already dead. And I linked the uh, the Bitcoin obituaries. 
nerdy experiment aimed at the creation of a decentralized digital equivalent of what we was once physical gold. An open global permission and blah, blah, blah. And then I put the link to the beautiful bitcoinresources.com website by Dergigi, which is one of the greatest uh, collection of resources out, out there. So my, my hope was that maybe somebody was reading. Uh, I mean, I, I, my hope is 15% of people coming in will understand the irony and will get a, a good laugh. And maybe 75% will just click on this and, and, and understand something about Bitcoin. Then the second section is, sure, okay, Bitcoin is okay, but Bitcoin Hex is better. And, uh, and I put all the rhetoric uh, of, uh, of uh, Richard Hart and I put a link that uh, the link of um, uh, to Fail, uh, which explains exactly how the Hex scam works. So the, the pseudo-Ponzi scheme is not really a Ponzi, it's a little bit more articulate, it's explained very well. And, uh, and then the third section is, uh, sure, okay, uh, Zax is, is, but X is better, but Zax is even better, even, even much better. And so basically I expanded all the uh, dishonest talking points of, uh, of Richard into something more, like uh, Richard says that you can, you can get, uh, like, uh, uh, you can get, uh, Twice the, uh, the you can, I don't know, 100% profit in two months. I will say 200% profits in one month. I just uh, doubled any <laughs> single claim. And, uh, and uh, basically, the idea was to exaggerate any kind of rhetoric. Uh, and, uh, and that was all. But the end, the, the last section was, uh, but your own copycat uh, meta scam is the absolute best. So the idea is, uh, why stop here? You should actually take the same smart contract I took and you should improve on that, creating something even more, even more powerful, like uh, I give some suggestion, uh, some suggestions down there. And, um, and the base of this smart contract, I didn't really copy the, the Hex smart contract because it was very convoluted. I did copy the, uh, the great uh, Ponzi ICO.win uh, contract by, by uh, Josh, uh, uh, by uh, Josh Cincinnati, which is a, a, I don't know if you have ever seen this uh, this website. It is a, a Ponzi, uh, it's P-O-N-Z-I-C-O dot win. And it's it's great. You have to, yeah, I really want people to read it, to read the white paper and to, and of course, to invest uh, either there because it's, it's great. It's very, very funny. And uh, so, yeah, I, um, I, I finished the West with this website. Then uh, I put a, a writing with the, the URL on the on the window uh, behind myself, and I covered it with my with my shoulders so that nobody could see it. And then I put my Ethereum shirt T-shirt, the one that I used at the Riga for my pro shitcoin talk, uh, which was very very uh, familiar for people following me, but completely unfamiliar for for Richard and others. Uh, and uh, I had a hoodie. Uh, on top of that so i started discussing seriously like accepting all this point and he was very he was very uh disoriented back then because he, he didn't expect me to be so submissive uh, probably he did some research and he, he knew that i was toxic and uh, maximalist and so on so he was a little bit disoriented and uh, in uh, my i set my clock to 35 minutes because i said i cannot give more than 30, 35 minutes of my day to Richard Hart, so that's the maximum I can do. <laughs> and uh, and gradually I started to unzip my hoodie and to show off the Ethereum uh, while I was talking and and uh, and uh, and being basically a yes man for for Richard. I started to 
to, to strip with my Ethereum T-shirt. And then I started to move my head to reveal the hex.win, uh, the, sorry, the, the zaxbucks.win uh, written. And it, it was, I think it was very, it was very funny. Uh, Richard was very, very good because uh, at the beginning he didn't understand. When he started to understand, he, he, he faced a very difficult dilemma, how to react, like, uh, do you get mad? Do you, uh, do you laugh with me? What do you do? Uh, it's like you cannot admit like, okay, man, you, you got me. Okay, I'm a scammer and, and, and you are making fun of me. Or he couldn't really uh, play the victim because it was all very uh, polite in a way. So he didn't know what to do. Uh, it was very able because basically I think that for at least 10 minutes he, 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 he went on pretending that nothing happened. Like uh, yes. he started, it was very, you could see near in his face that he was a little bit pissed, but he was like keeping the cool and pretending that nothing was happening. But then something <laughs> happened because uh, Peter McCormack wrote me and he said, uh, hey man, do you still have the Zoom link for, for Richard? I said, okay, okay, here's the link. And so he entered the link, starting to insult him like scammer, pussy. And the nice thing is that the previous, uh, the previous let's call it debate with Peter, uh, Richard was basically still very in control because it was uh, it was very calm and and it was able to control. But this new debate, it was I think it was effectively true. I mean, it was a good one to uh, move because uh, I push him pretty hard into this surreal moment, and then Peter started to, to insult <laughs> him. And so basically, it was it was very. I, I think at the end, it was exhausted. Exhausted. Uh, I mean. Uh, in, in the in the great scheme of things, it doesn't really matter because now he's rich anyway, and his scam basically work because he got I don't know. Uh, I mean, Seven. The, of course, hex. Yeah, was it H the hex collapsed? But but the eater in the address is a lot. Uh, there there is a lot of stuff, and he so he dumped uh, everything in the market. So uh, probably a few millions of dollars, right? Yeah, like I was gonna say, I um, I saw I forget who tweeted it out, but. Um... He, uh, well, I shouldn't say he, but miraculously, the ETH at the address, I think it was like $7 million <laughs> worth, was moved in, in chunks. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows where it went? <laughs> yeah, the mystery. The mystery. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> the, the poor third world priest moved what? for... Uh, for third world, uh, <laughs> it, it was. I, I every time I would listen to him talk about that address, it was the most ridiculous. And and I just want to go back to this because what what a lot of people don't get about Richard is is that he is incredibly charismatic and he is a very good speaker. So yeah. he knows a lot. He is not a stupid guy. He knows a lot. He knows how to speak well. He's he's actually worldly. He can speak on multiple different topics. So he can give you the illusion that it's all making sense. Yeah, you, yeah. You know? He, he, I, I would say he is one of the best scammers from a professional, from a scammy professional point of view. Uh, he's very, very talented. Uh, it's, a, it's a shame that he cannot use his talent in an honest way, but, uh, but he is very talented. I, That's no doubt. I, I have to admit, I, I did enjoy, I, I did enjoy his, um, his act when, when he was a, a Bitcoin maximalist, you know, yeah, or maximalish, yeah. sorry. Uh, to, yeah. you know, like I, I used to, when I first got into this and I was a noob and I didn't know any better, you know, like I, I would watch his YouTubes and, and I was just like, you know what? I'm like, this guy's like ultra confident, you know, like, and he, 
you know, regardless of Bitcoin, he's managed to make a, you know, in uh, from what he explained, you know, a great business. And and he's always said he's like, you know, nobody can nobody can ever point to me and say this guy scammed me, you know? Yeah. Like and and it's like just uh, to me anyways, it's like just because you may have managed to, you know, get some Teflon around you. It doesn't mean that you're not a scammer. Yeah. You know, like it's it's I mean, it's like lack of proof. You know, like lack of proof yeah, yeah, exactly. isn't evidence. Yeah, deniability. Yeah, you know? everybody suspects that, but but nobody can prove that. I mean, after hacks, uh, I don't think there is much of a debate uh, anymore. But but no, I mean, there uh, is. <laughs> but this space always surprises me. So maybe uh, maybe I will see the rehabilitation of of rich. I mean, the memory in the so-called crypto space is very short, and the, and the gullibility is very very high. So maybe it will be rehabilitated soon. But the point is that uh, I, I think Hex was a little bit like an exit scam. So he prepared the he prepared the, uh, the 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 battlefield for a while, and I don't think he expects to uh, to to use a, a lot of deniability after this. Now he made all the money. I don't know. Maybe he will move to some other field. I don't know. <laughs> He seems uh seems kind of quiet since uh, since that uh, that ETH move. <laughs> I wonder, yeah, uh, since the sub Satoshi price. <laughs> oh, look at that! I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's uh. It, uh so by the way, just so you know, I want to go back to stuff that you said. I am gonna post links to uh, Ponzico.win, obviously Zuck Zuck Zucks Bucks dot win. And yeah. and of course, I a shout out back to Durjiji, right? Bitcoin-resources.com. That is one of the, and I also got the uh, the book, the Twenty One Lessons from Durjiji. Yeah, and great. Yeah, we will post a link to the uh, to that site in the show notes as well. So thank thanks, you. Thanks. Thanks. Oh, so since I'm shilling, I, yes. I go back to shill uh, as well the the workshop. So uh, basically, uh, as I told uh, as I told you before, right now I'm trying to move uh, to move from um consultancy to education because it's uh, less profitable in a way but uh, but more fun i really like i enjoy teaching i'm doing mostly uh, b2b workshops so i'm teaching banks and companies but i'm we are trying a little bit to build uh, b2c offers and uh, one of the first experiment will be in uh, las vegas uh, during the unconfiscatable conference unconfiscatable.com uh, that's a link to Tonvase website because Tonvase is basically the main organizer of the conference, and um, and uh, the the conference is is Las Vegas on the February 22, 23. But uh, on 2021, uh, 2021st, there is uh, my workshop. The idea is to keep uh, to have two days in order to get people that are very very passionate about Bitcoin but not uh, technically skilled because I mean. It's not that there is like developers and stupid people. Maybe you have managers, uh, political activists, uh, community leaders, uh, investors, uh, finance guys, but uh, intellectuals, but they cannot really use common line and they never installed the Linux machine. So we cannot really assume that everybody who is smart and functional in society and proficient and passionate is necessarily uh, uh, that possesses the 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 the, the good skill the, the the right skills in order to uh, to become uh, at least uh, let's say level zero Bitcoin user. So the goal of this uh, today's workshop is to get these people in with uh, possibly zero previous knowledge of technical type and to get out with some knowledge about uh, turning a Raspberry Pi that we will provide into a, a Bitcoin node plus a Lightning Network node 
plus maybe if we manage uh, a, um, joint market coin join node uh, and uh, an electrum uh, multi um, multi sig multi sig setup with uh, different hardware wallets call card and ledger in order to do uh, cold storage for funds and so the idea and and a btc pay server to 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 let's say fire up a, a self-hosted website accepting bitcoin payment so the idea is that of course uh, people will uh, will receive the raspberry pi and the ledger and the call card and all the all the documentation and we will teach them and help them and assist them for today's two, two uh, the goal is not to get them out of that with uh, with the functioning product but with a lot of knowledge in order to get back home and spend the next uh, weeks building again from scratch uh, the, the kind of setup they want and if it works i will i will probably uh, i will probably propose this kind of seminar again and again around uh, it's a little bit uh, it's very time consuming to prepare it in a in a good way because it, i mean uh, uh, some developers are like pissed that i that i'm doing this because they say that they will take 50 minutes to set up this machine and not two days. And some people uh, uh, really uh, think that they can never get to that point in two days because it's too much stuff. So it's, it will, it's very tricky. Uh, also, the, the, the attendee will probably be, the attendees will be not perfectly homogene, uh, homogeneous. So uh, yeah, I, I think we will refine it uh, during the next months and then maybe I will start to go around with this kind of workshop a little bit. I, I really like that, by the way. Um, I, I mean, I've built I've built now Thanks. ten nodes, so I, I can tell you that um, it's you know what to their point. Yeah, depending on the technical skill. But the thing is, is that you know to your point, everybody's going to have a, a different level, and everybody is going to you know grasp it differently. So although one person may speed right through it. Uh, another person is going to actually want to understand each step that it is that they're doing. So yeah. I, I think it's cool that you're doing point this. Because, yeah, because, I mean, we were discussing, we can do just a script that will uh, self-install most of the things, but that's not the point, right? I mean, uh, if you just want to run the script that we provide you, just uh, buy some, buy a node or buy, or buy a node by yourself or by other. But the point is not just that people has running nodes but the people is at least prima facie able to to vaguely understand the high level of what the, the fuck they are doing yeah. otherwise <laughs> they, they they get back trusting completely a, a class of developers so the idea is to uh, to really break down i mean pgp uh, i mean they will not build the software from source because that's too that's too much for today's but they will check signatures uh, on uh, on uh, software or compiled software which is already something that people, I mean, it will be some PGP stuff. Uh, we will try to explain each and every one, every uh, Linux comma line uh, shell command. Uh, I mean, the, instead of just saying, write this stuff, uh, I will, we will try to explain what they are doing and why, uh, which is something that is very, very difficult to find. In computer science, you, you have a giant uh, asymmetry. People who knows their, their shit, they, uh, they go very very fast, and people, who, uh, uh, even very intelligent and 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 very uh, people of culture. They, but but I, I know of technology managers that right now they really invest and work on technology, and they don't have a self-hosted Linux server since probably more than 30 years. And now they are only used to use their smartphone. 
this is these are these smart people they are not uh, morons but uh, really the, the the kind of uh, well let's be even more extreme except for the developers nobody is running a, a self-hosted uh, server anymore home uh, ever basically pretty much you're, you're absolutely right about that and you know what um as you were talking and explaining uh, you know the workshop and everything i uh, i was just thinking you know Bitcoin is helping us bootstrap the age of responsibility, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good, very good, uh, very good take. I agree. Uh, it, which is, uh, it will be a compromise, of course. There, I think there are two visions uh, clashing right now. One vision is uh, people will never do this. Uh, I mean, it's impossible to teach uh, teenagers uh, who, who are, who, I mean, teenagers right now, they don't, even use Google anymore. They just use the social networks and, and they get any information directly from there on a smartphone. Uh, and my grandma, uh, she, she, she was able to use some cell phone stuff, but not for sure a common line interface. So uh, one point is uh, people will never uh, uh, migrate to this kind of old nerdy stuff in majority. So you need to do super simple turnkey interface, which are hiding every kind of complexity. But if you do that, uh, we miss the point entirely because if we hide complexity too much, we pretend that something very complex and difficult like security and privacy and state resistance and censorship resistance, it's simple. It is not. If you simplify uh, in, for convenience, that's fine. But if you think that the, the if you think that that's a simple thing that like you know as, uh, privacy scam coins, just use this coin like just use the cash and now you're private. Uh, except that people don't uh, people don't know what they are doing, so they will use Zcash with uh, normal uh, non-shielded transactions, and with uh, and they will basically give away everything way worse than Bitcoin, or they will just use some kind of um, green or dash stuff with anonymity set of three people literally exchanging, so everybody knows that it's them. So uh, we we cannot really reduce uh, complexity too much because otherwise it's meaningless. On the other side, you have uh, the developers that say. I was trained 30 years ago to do command line. This is the way, uh, if you need a, a graphic interface, you're stupid. Uh, and uh, I mean, since I spend my life in my basement with my keyboard, I don't see the reason why you should not have a keyboard in front of you right now. But, but that's not the, the way that, that the world works anymore. Uh, I, I'm not in front of my keyboard for the rest of my day today. I will just have a smartphone. Uh, so uh, I think that developers will learn how to uh, maximize the simplification as long as it's possible and not disruptive. And, and people will also have to learn how to learn something complex because you, because you do have to. Like in important stuff, I mean, delegation is great because division of labor is based on delegation. We don't have to be uh, all doctors, all developers, or policemen. We have to, uh, to delegate uh, because we have to differentiate, diversify, and specialize. So that's fine. But important strategic stuff, we have to maintain at least a high-level control of what we are doing and who we are delegating and why and how. So, for example, uh, like a medical emergency and the first, uh, first uh, succors for, uh, for medical emergencies. Uh, you don't have to become a medical doctor, but you do have to at least know how to treat a, a, like a burn or, 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 a, or, a, or a, a trauma very, very fast. You have to know what is the right hospital what is the right number same goes for policemen you cannot become uh, you cannot become a soldier if you are just a, a, a civil 
uh, if you are just not a soldier. But uh, if nobody knows how to defend innocence from an aggressor in a public place, then you just wait for the police and basically everybody's already dead. So you need some, you need some degree of redundancy for super important strategic stuff, uh, which is the same if you think about that of literacy, of uh, literal literacy. So uh, uh, teaching people to write and read was incredible uh, to think of uh, two centuries ago. Two centuries ago, reading and writing was for super elite niches of intellectuals like uh, uh, almost wizards. It was not something that, uh, it was impossible that a teenager can write and, and a grandma can write. Uh, writing is for, uh, for, the, for the writing and, and reading cast. Uh, right now, in, in some countries, kind of everybody kind of writes and reads. Of course, that's not so true for teenagers anymore, but at least they can do, use some kind of written communication. And so people can learn. Uh, people did learn. Think about driving. In, in Europe, where, where you don't have the automatic, uh, the automatic transmission, uh, driving is kind of complex and, uh, and it takes time to learn. And uh, it's not that people just ask it to car producers, uh, guys, you just have, I mean, I don't have the time to learn to drive. Just give me a car that I can press a button and it goes. Uh, because they, they understood that it was uh, dangerous, that there were, li there were lives uh, at stake. So they had to learn how to, to push the, uh, the, 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 the brakes and accelerator, they did have to learn complexity because you couldn't abstract away complexity too much. Of course, you don't have to be able to, to, to build a car, but you are able to uh, responsibly drive a car. And the same goes with, with Bitcoin. I don't think that people will all transform into hackers, but uh, it's impossible that Bitcoin just becomes a one-button uh, iPhone app because that's not the point. I really like that take. That's uh, that's a really interesting take, you know. So it's like that's the, the that's exactly the point, you know. There, there's gonna be there's gonna be all there's there's gonna be some kind of redundancy for the critical functions, right? Like there has to be in order for something to yeah. survive, right, and for something to thrive. But at the same time, you're gonna have this variation of people in between you know, with varying technical capabilities and that everybody is able to, at the very least, be able to handle it competently at the minimum. Yeah, yeah. So I really like that. And, yeah, or, or at least even, 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 even less, at least filter out uh, uh, competence outside of them. I mean, it's not that people just now cannot do alone. They can't even just delegate. They even, they, I mean, people about computer science uh, some people, they, they are so illiterate that they cannot even distinguish frauds from competent people. So you, you need to distribute the level of competence, which is at least enough uh, high level to understand, uh, I mean, to ask different opinions and to understand, the, uh, the, the, to filter out the credible opinion from the obviously, at least obviously, uh, false, false uh, advertisings and, 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 and tricks and frauds. Oh, sorry about that. I, I just realized I was on mute. Um, uh, no, 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 it, no, no. I, I did, I did hear. Oh, 
Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. So I'll just cut that out. That part. But um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because. Um, it is really difficult to distinguish. Like I could tell you when I first got into, you know, forget about Bitcoin, but just quote unquote, the crypto space, like it's so easy to, to look legitimate. And unfortunately, you have these other people that, you know, can seem like they're experts and, you know, point to something and say, oh, well, that that's legitimate. And here are the reasons why. And it's like if you don't know any better um, then, then you can, you can believe it. And it's like, I've said in the past, it's like, yeah, when, when I didn't know shit, all of that tech seems plausible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not something new, uh, when people were discovering radiation and radi- radioactive phenomena uh, in the last millennium and the last century, uh, the, the, this, it was something strange and new and unknown. And so a lot of charlatans, they started to sell, uh, radioactive, uh, uh, water to drink. There, 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 uh, there was like a famous, I don't remember the name, a famous golf player that was like, uh, uh, he had some kind of uh, uh, back pain or something. So he started to drink uh, a lot of radioactive water uh, and he was feeling great until his jaw fell off completely. So, uh, <laughs> and that was sold like in, in grocery stores and they, they were like uh, uh, advertising on, on uh, mainstream newspaper. Like, make your radiation bath today and you will feel f- full of energy. Because, I mean, why? Because, because it's something new, so nobody understands what's going on. So they cannot even distinguish uh, obvious charlatan uh, uh, from, from, from serious people. And, and the problem that you have is that uh, how to fight it is not trivial as well because you have an overtone window problem. Like, uh, for example, you have a lot of degrees of uh, obvious frauds. So at the beginning, you have like... Uh, uh, let, let's think about altcoins. At the beginning, you have Litecoin. So there is uh, some Easter mine. The, the, there was uh, so the claims are uh, are technically fake. Like uh, ASIC resistant is a fake claim, and everybody competent is telling people that uh, Litecoin cannot be ASIC resistant because there is not such a thing as ASIC resistant. So it will just be ASIC ASIC harder, which is worse for for decentralization. And then they say that they have. Uh, uh, they have uh, uh, faster blocks, which is which is basically faster for confirmation. And then the expert people explain that that's not true because the confirmation time is not uh, how much time is is about how much security. So it's about how much it costs to uh, to double spend and to reorg. And so uh, one Litecoin confirmation is surely it's faster than a Bitcoin confirmation, but it's. Uh, uh, way way less than one uh, than than a fraction of its security. So uh, that's that's just a stupid point. So most of the claims of Litecoin were fake, uh, and 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 the the, the launching style launch style was very dubious with this kind of unfair advantage. And so a lot of p- competent people was calling Litecoin a scam, and everybody competent agreed that Litecoin was a scam. But then crazier stuff arrived like uh, like bit shares with uh, this ICO I mean uh, the pre-mine was considered unethical before but then the ICO came and uh, compared to that the pre-mine was considered not so bad and then uh, bit shares was super crazy Daniel Arimer with uh, a lot of very very non-credible claims a lot of science fiction and people were so uh, I mean this scam was so worse then it was uh, actually it was started to feeling unfair to call Lite, Litecoin a scam as much as BitShares because BitShares was really incredibly scammy. Then Ethereum came out 
And Ethereum basically was, I mean, Ethereum was the apotheosis because there was a pre-mine, there was a, a Swiss, uh, there was a for-profit company selling their shares to the non-profit, then closing down the for-profit with the, with the foundation in Switzerland, with a, a lot of, of uh, basically a lot of money grabbing. Most of the budget was not spent for development, but was just spent for for marketing. And then there was uh, impossible claims like Turing completeness, security, world computer, completely scalable, and all these claims were completely fake, and they were. Actually, they were lies, so it was a fraud. But compared to that, Litecoin at this point was was like uh, was like completely. Uh, I mean, at this point, Litecoin seems like something sound. And now we we uh, I mean, fast forward, you have one coin, BitConnect, uh, Bitcoin Satoshi Vision, Hex, and now the the, the situation is so bad that compared to that, Ethereum sounds super legit. So people is pissed if you call Ethereum a scam because they say, oh, come on, man. Like you cannot call the same way uh, Ethereum and one coin, which is true. But because the Overton Windows is moving far, far on the scam side. Um, there's a um, th- there's a new one going on. Oh, I don't know how new it is, but there's Cloud Token, um, <laughs> and this is the same garbage as uh, One Coin and uh, Plus Token, and they've gotten much more sophisticated. I actually tweeted out about this, and it's. It, so this one is like you can't even get on their page without getting some secret referral, but it's really not that difficult. You can go Google some bullshit referral code and then enter it. And I, I did a little bit of research on this. They so they're they're very smart. Okay, they have an engine, an artificial intelligence engine. Okay, that makes profits. And guess what? You know what the name of the engine is? It's a good one. No, Jarvis, no. A- Jarvis AI, which is the same one from Iron Man. Yeah, Tony Stark. Yeah, that's Tony right. Stark, yeah. <laughs> so, it's legit. I, yeah, yeah. Well, so it's uh, how to deal with this stuff. Uh, people, people like to uh, to pont- pontificate about maximalist and toxicity and be nice and don't be close-minded, but it's very, very difficult to decide how to to deal with this stuff because. On one hand, it seems that if you if you scream scam all the time, then nobody listens a- anymore. So you should just uh, keep the word that you, you should you should just uh, hold your 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 uh, um, jabs for for the worst stuff. But what is the worst stuff? Because this I mean the obvious blatant scams, the one which are very 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 obvious obvious like one coin, uh, people falling for that. I'm sorry, but they are probably beyond saving. Uh, I don't think that you can actually convince somebody falling for one coin. I mean, what? Do, I mean, wh- where are you even starting? They are really their their cognitive problems. I mean, either they know that it's a fraud, but they're just trying to, to to scam other people faster, and so you you cannot really you don't have to help them because they're just trying to scam other people. Or if they believe in one coin, they are so deep into into that that I, I don't think you can help them. On the other hand, more subtle things like uh, like Ethereum, I, I generally believe that there are a lot of uh, good uh, script kiddies and, and web designers that are wasting time and, and reputation and, uh, and possibly also uh, brain neurons into, into that kind of stuff. So uh, do you have to focus attacking the most obvious ones or the most subtle ones? That's... That's not a trivial question, in my opinion, and uh, I, I'm not sure about the answer. But I, I, I'm not entirely convinced. I'm not sold that we should just uh, 
call out one coin and uh, and then BitConnect may be almost legit and then Ethereum is great. Uh, I think that we should keep the Overton window. I know it's hard. I know that it's like all the world is, is crazy right now, but we have to keep some kind of rationality grounding. Uh, otherwise, the, the, the Overton window will just keep moving forever. I, I totally agree. I, I really do. I love the way that I, I really love the way that you think, man. And uh, this this freaking this hour has just absolutely flown by for me, Giacomo. I, I know you got to get going, and I got to get going too. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna cut it, but it's been yeah. Abso- we, we can do we can continue another time. I mean, we we just uh, took like uh, three months to <laughs> to fix the day, so it will not be. Difficult. Yeah, no, but but seriously, I I really I I totally appreciate you coming on, and man, it was it it was definitely worth three months worth of going back and forth with you to uh, to get on and chat with you, man. You are absolutely awesome. Thank you, thank you. Okay, second payment uh, sent right now. Sweet. <laughs> All right, man. Cheers. Thank you so much. Hope everybody enjoyed that conversation with Giacomo. It was absolutely amazing. It took me like three months to get that uh, that interview done with him. So uh, anyways, well worth the wait. Anyways, um, his contact details will be in the show notes. As always, if you want to uh, contact me, my email is coinicarus at funwithbitcoin.com. On Twitter or Telegram, I'm just at CoinIcarus. And of course, if you want to support the show, head on over to moetarags.com and hit up All Clothing and then Fun with Bitcoin podcast, and you can check out all of our sweet merch. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening and catch you all next time.